today on the Tearsheet Podcast. One hand, 30 years ago, it was all about efficiency and how do I do things faster, better with computers versus with people. And today it's uh, how do I you know, use my technology to help you know, improve the customer experience and drive growth you know, in my, in my markets, as well as be more competitive against the non-traditional players that have come into the market you know, as the technology advances have taken place. Welcome to the Tearsheet Podcast. I'm Zach Miller, Tearsheet's Editor-in-Chief. Robin Smith is Vice President of North America for banking software provider Mambu. Robin has been in the fintech space for over 30 years, leading teams at Oracle, FIS, and Fiserv. Robin's got a wealth of experience and knowledge over what's happening in the core banking software industry and to banks in general. Our conversation spans current trends, banks' challenges and opportunities with going digital, the partner ecosystem Mambu has built in the U.S. to support its customers, and more. Robin Smith is my guest today on the Tearsheet Podcast. Hi, Zach. I'm Robin Smith, and I am Vice President of North America for Mambu. Uh, Mambu is a leading uh, core banking engine uh, that works with financial institutions uh, throughout the world. We have over 250 customers today. Uh, I've been in the core banking fintech space for over 30 years, uh, specializing in uh, all things uh, financial services and uh, based out of uh, Orlando, Florida. So, Robin, I appreciate that. And, and given that um, you spent the you know the bulk of your career in this space, um, what's different now? I guess maybe, or even if you zoom out from that, like where are we? I guess in the cycle, where are we in terms of digitization at the banking level? It's a great question, Zach. You know, when I look back uh, thirty plus years ago, when I got into this business. Um, you know, most of the financial services technology was centered around traditional regulated financial institutions. And uh, most of the technology innovation was driven by, um, you know, more by regulatory type uh, activities and, you know, banks trying to uh, streamline and be more efficient in their operations. I think what's evolved and most significant over those last 30 years is the shift between um, the what the banks have been trying to accomplish versus what consumers are driving uh, and consumers being both, you know, you and I as retail consumers, as well as small businesses and other, you know, corporate entities have forced um, a change in the way that banks operate and the banks, the way the banks utilize technology. So on the one hand, 30 years ago, it was all about efficiency and how do I do things faster, better with computers versus with people. And today it's uh, how do I, you know, use my technology to help, you know, improve the customer experience and drive growth, you know, in my, in my markets, as well as be more competitive against the non-traditional players that have come into the market, you know, as the technology advances have taken place. So you mentioned that, you know, Mambu has 250 clients internationally. Um, where would you, if there were a slider between like, like pre-digitization and post-digitization, like, where are we on, I guess, on that spectrum? Um, you're talking about, a consumer-led um, evolution at the banking level. How, how many banks get that? I'm just trying to get a feel for given your purview of, of where we sit. So I'll go with the end of your question first, okay? Uh, I think every bank acknowledges it, right? Every bank acknowledges it, but in many cases, it's an academic acknowledgement. They they recognize that they, they need to improve, they need to advance, they need to uh, create more of a seamless digital experience for their customers. 
Uh, but I'd say only probably 30 to 40 percent of the institutions that we encounter out there really have a plan or a mechanism for doing so. Um, they're at various stages of that evolution, uh, some more so than others. Um, and I think that's that's where in, therein lies both the challenge and the opportunity, right? Uh, for Mambu, it's an opportunity for us to work with. Um, you know, clients that already envision where they want to be uh, and help them get there faster, help them get there uh, more efficiently uh, through our cloud-based offerings. Uh, and for institutions that are just beginning the journey or are stuck somewhere on the journey, uh, a chance to engage with them and show them, you know, new ways to accomplish getting to that end state. Uh, but I think, you know, again, it's it's about a, a 30 to 40 percent that are actually well along that journey uh, and a lot of others that are struggling with it. Got it. And I guess um, in terms of your distribution strategy, you do mention you engage these institutions that aren't fully there yet that may need some more um, educational resources or coaching. Where, where do you determine sort of um, where, where Mambu will play or where you don't play? Meaning like would you would you engage a bank at just at the beginning of that process? Yeah, there's a couple of different ways to to answer that question, Zach. One is uh, it depends on the geography, right? So the way we look at the world right now, we operate in four distinct geographies uh, between North America, Latin America, Europe, and uh, the the and 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 Asia, uh, the Asia Pacific region. Um, so depending on which region we're talking about, you have different states of maturity, right? So I would say that. Um, you know, in terms of the most mature, in terms of their digitization, would you'd find that in in the Asia Pacific region? Um, you know, a lot of that driven by you know the influences coming out of China uh, and out of the other you know economies that are in you know Southeast Asia. Uh, secondly, would be Europe. Um, you know, in terms of its you know movement along those paths, and primarily a lot of that's being driven by legislative activities and regulatory activities in Europe that are forcing you know with the European Union and other activities that have taken place in Europe over the last several years. Uh, that has increased the, the number of institutions that are moving that path. I'd say Latin America uh, is a mixed bag. You've got 26 countries in Latin America. A lot of people like to think of it as one big place that all speaks Spanish, uh, and that's not really the case. So depending, again, on the sub-geographies within LATAM, you see a different degree of maturity. And then North America um, is a unique animal in that itself and that it's the largest financial services marketplace in the world. Uh, and so everybody loves, uh, you know, the the fact that there's a lot of financial institutions and non-financial institutions in the financial services business in North America. Uh, but, you know, there's a there's a very, very strong grip that four or five competitors have, you know, on the market in North America, which makes it a very difficult market to penetrate. So again, depending on what geography you're looking at is going to dictate, you know, what your what your go to market is and and what your uh, approach to the market is going to be. For us, um, we're, we're not only uh, working directly uh, with our own uh, team to address you know, financial institution needs, but then we're also very heavily uh, involved with a partner ecosystem uh, that you know, assist us in that and also assist our clients in that. So when you look at partnerships we have with firms like Deloitte, 
uh, where Deloitte can bring not only technology expertise with Mambu to the party, but they can also bring that consultative advisory type uh, work to those institutions that you know need help on that journey. So uh, we're leveraging both uh, in terms of both our you know our software asset and and work we do as a software provider, uh, as well as working with this partner ecosystem to bring consulting and advisory type services to our potential clients. I appreciate that. And, and, um, and I appreciate how you broke out the world into those four different geographies. Just going back to that number about um, maturity level, that 30 to 40% of banks being ready to, to, to act on digitization, was that a US number? Or would you say that was a blended number? I'd say it's a blended number across multiple geographies. You'll see higher percentages, you know, that have already, you know, embraced that journey in places like Asia Pacific, um, you know, and and a number of neo banks and challenger banks that have started up, you know, to address uh, the the large number of consumers uh, that are in those markets. Uh, but it's a blended number across all geographies. Um, and I want to double click on on this partner ecosystem. Um, it sounds like a Deloitte is a type of consultative firm that um, could decide to bring in Mambu as part of the project. Um, does it work the other way as well? Are those partners, once you've done an installation, like are those partners, do you have partners that are ready to go to, to that are integrated into Mambu that, that can be used by the bank? Absolutely. And I would actually, um, you know, kind of double click on the partner ecosystem a little bit in that you've got kind of four categories of partners. You've got folks like Deloitte um, who are, you know, traditionally referred to as the big four, right? So it's Deloitte, PwC, Accenture, ENY that make up that community. Uh, and they tend to do uh, not just the technology enablement as systems integrators, but also provide these business process type services, these advisory type services. Uh, they tend to be very, very attractive to large institutions, right? It's kind of the good housekeeping seal of approval. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, if I'm working with Deloitte or I'm working with E&Y or I'm working with Accenture, you know, nobody's going to push back on that and say I made a Don't bad decision. get fired for buying IBM. Exactly, exactly. Um, the uh, so so we have relationships with all of them, and in some cases, they have built assets you know, that contribute to their ability to implement Mambu. So in, for instance, Deloitte has a Mambu Center of Excellence in Portugal. Uh, that's 150 trained Mambu resources uh, that then couple with their management consulting, you know, capabilities are able to do those large scale projects for organizations that are looking at transformation exercises and those types of things. There's another set of consultancies that, that we have relationships with that I call more the boutique type consultancies. Mm -hmm. So, you know, in our case, you look at companies like EPAM, which is a global company. Uh, you look at uh, Persistent, you look at True North. Um, in most cases, these are folks that you find very attractive to fintechs. A, their rate structure is a lot lower. Uh, B, uh, they tend to be more hands-on keyboard, meaning they tend to be more of the people that are actually you know, developing stuff for an institution or for a financial ten, uh, technology uh, organization uh, in a much more uh, contained fashion as opposed to a big bang transformation type exercise. So those are kind of the two consulting categories. The third and the fourth 
are really um, very important to us. And, and, and one is the cloud providers themselves. So in the case of Mambu, we operate on all of the commercial clouds. So we operate on OCI in the Middle East, we operate on AWS, we operate on Azure, we operate on, on AWS um, you know, around the world. So you know, those cloud providers become a very important part of our partner ecosystem in that they are touching a wide variety of, of, of clients, right? They're touching everything from retail to financial services and everything in between. So we leverage them as a partner network uh, as they you know, engage with, you know, clients of all sizes. And then the fourth category is really, you know, the ISVs or what I'd call the product partners. And these are people uh, that basically do things outside of what Mambu does. So one of the classics that we have there uh, is a European-based company called Backbase. Uh, Backbase is basically the digital front end, the digital customer experience. It's the tool set that a client would use to actually create that unique experience for Zach when you come into the bank, either into the bank or through the digital channel. They they facilitate that digital you know journey for the client. There's other uh, product partners in that area like Brim. Uh, our total systems, which are large players in the credit card, debit card, you know, space, right? So those are the types of, you know, the four different types of partnerships we work with. And in every case, um, most of them have done specific things that are directly relating their offerings to what Mambu does. Got it. Um, I want to know from your perspective, what um, some of the challenges and opportunities are um, helping a European headquartered uh, core software firm, you know, expanding in the U.S.? Great question. Like I said, everybody loves the U.S. market when they look at it from a financial services perspective, because, uh, you know, there's, you know, if you take banks, credit unions, and non-banks, you'll come up with about 12,000 potential buying units within uh, the United States uh, or within North America. You compare that to someplace like Vietnam, where there's 20, right? Mm -hmm. Um, and and you get a very different picture, and you start to say, "Gosh, if I could get ten percent of that market, I'd be fat, dumb, and happy, and I'd mm -hmm. I'd, I'd retire." Uh, but like I said, there's there's kind of three factors that become important when you're addressing the North American market. You know, one is the competitive landscape. Uh, 87% of all financial institutions right now are serviced by one of five providers. Uh, and those five providers are FIS, Fiserv, Jack Henry, CSI, and Finastra. Uh, those five basically consume 87% of the existing buying units. Um, and 90% of the existing buying units, when they make a change, go to one of those five providers. So everybody else, while the population is huge, well, everybody else is fighting over a very small you know, pool. Uh, so that's one factor. The second factor is, you know, there still is a pretty heavy regulatory uh, burden on doing business in North America. Uh, it's probably the most regulated financial services environment in the world. Um, and it's complicated by the fact that uh, there's federal legislation, but then there's also state legislation, mm -hmm. right? So you have to be prepared to, you know, meet those regulatory requirements. And then the third piece is functionality. Um, you know, we still write checks in North America. We still write a lot of checks in North America. And in fact, in last quarter's earnings announcements from one of the major check providers, they actually indicated that check check usage had gone up by 9% in the last year. I saw year. that. Cash and checks yeah. have so, gone up, yeah. No, well, you just, you shake your head, right? I mean, uh, everybody says checks are going away, everything's digital, but uh, we're still writing more checks. 
Um, you look at things like mortgage lending in the United States, it's very different uh, than mortgage lending in the UK or in Israel or other places, you know, that, that you might think of. Um, and so those are some of the, you know, the crossovers between both regulatory and functional. So those are the three things that become barriers. And that's where, uh, for us, uh, that partner ecosystem comes back into play, right, is that in order for us to address all of those types of issues and to be more competitive in this market, we're very, very uh, dependent on having a very strong partner ecosystem from both a functional regulatory and deployment perspective. I'm curious also, in, as it relates to your own career, given the 30 plus years that you spent working and developing this market, what's different this time around for you, um, you know, helping, helping Mambo expand into the U.S.? What's different? Um, what I what I would say is different today is than it was thirty years ago. Okay, um, is that there's such a uh, a greater depth of knowledge about what the capabilities of technology are than than what people had thirty plus years ago. You know, when when people started off on this journey, uh, the vendor held all the knowledge, the software provider held all the knowledge. Um, you know, the, 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 the mystery of the, the mainframe computer and the black box that serviced yeah. everything uh, was still in the back office and you had a handful, you know, of, you know, geniuses that knew how all of that worked. Uh, you roll the clock forward to today and, you know, my 18-year-old uh, my daughter probably knows about as much about technology as, you know, most people do, right? And our kids and our, and our, and our generational, you know, changes have that have grown up with technology the digital natives and the people that are very comfortable with you know their usage of technology has just expanded you know what that knowledge base is so uh we we deal with a much more educated consumer today uh, a much more educated bank uh, we deal with banks that are in their second or third generation of computer automation um so all that that's been the most significant change to me is that um, you know, the, the primers that you did back 30 plus years ago on what something meant uh, don't apply anymore because people have, have, have run past that. So to me, it's just the, the, the level of, of knowledge. And it's a double-edged sword, right? On the one hand, uh, you're, you're, you know you're walking into situations that, you know, are pretty advanced. Uh, but on the other hand, um, it's nice to deal with people that understand the language, right? Uh, it's, it's not like you're teaching something new to everybody you talk to. And um, I'm curious how you position Mambu um, to either take over that 8% or whatever, or 10% of the market that's left over after those five competitors, or if you're trying to displace somebody who's already in there, what's, what's, how, what's a differentiation model for Mambu vis-a-vis -vis some of these other firms? Great question. Um, for us, and what we really, you know, uh, work with is we, we, we try to work with institutions, uh, whether they be regulated financial institutions or fintechs uh, that are looking to create something unique, right? Um, and to create something unique by, you know, building out an ecosystem, really a best of breed type approach. Uh, while we have product partners, ISVs that we work with that, you know, do certain things, uh, we're very much inclined to work with an, an institution that, you know, wants to create a special, you know, experience for their customers and to help facilitate that. Um, we, we, you know, when you look at our five major competitors in the North American market, most of them provide a very closed 
you know, end-to-end -end solution, right? So they're providing uh, a very closed ecosystem that's made up of either products they've built or most of the time products they've acquired um, and they've integrated those products and they sell that to you as a um, as an all-inclusive vacation type of plan, right? Where you're buying their digital experience, you're buying their core processing capability, and you're buying their capabilities of moving money, you know, via the payment system, and you're buying that for, you know, one price. Uh, what we're working with is customers like um, a, a, a client in Nevada um, that, you know, wants to build out a specialty bank that deals in nothing but digital assets. Hmm. And even though there's been a crypto crash over the last you know month uh, you know it's a digital asset bank uh, that realizes that to be able to support that you know a traditional banking system that's an end-to-end -end contained closed loop you know type of scenario doesn't work um, so you know they're they're assembling a stack of technology 34 different components of which mambu is four components of that stack uh, we do probably 50% of the heavy lifting, uh, but again, we're we're one we're four components out of their whole technology stack. That's our ideal profile. Somebody that really sees has a vision for a target state that is, um, you know, going to you know either position them competitively, position them to grow, uh, give them a, a more delightful customer experience, go after untapped markets. Um, and and know that they need um, you know some specialization to be able to do that. So those are the kinds of institutions that we're engaged with on a daily basis, um, and and that we continue to focus on and been pretty successful with. I appreciate that. And for these types of firms that are are creative and have some strategy about how to differentiate going into the, going into the future, um, how how are they? What is your sense about how they're preparing for 2023? You know, macroeconomic headwinds. Um, you know, how are they? How are they planning for the future? Are they impacted by that? Are, are they? Is it business as usual? What, what's what's happening? No, I I don't think it's business as usual. Um, I think that you know, everybody out there, from Jamie Dimon at J.P. Morgan Chase down the food chain, you know, is predicting that we will go into some type of a global recession uh, in 2023. And, and so what, what I see and what I hear in the marketplace today is that the, the investments banks are making in technology um, against that recessionary backdrop is really how do they how do they maintain margins? How do they increase efficiency? Um, how do they you know, use the current state of technology to be able to um, continue to grow, but also to be able to continue to be more efficient in, in how they grow? Uh, you know, the days of a 36 month payback on a return, you know, in terms of return on investment are gone. Uh, what they're looking at is how do I get there in, you know, six months, nine months, 12 months, right, to where I start actually realizing return, you know, on those technology investments. So I think speed of technology investment is key. Uh, that's where I think folks like ourselves that are cloud native, uh, that make it, you know, easy to um, implement uh, and to do so in a timely fashion. Uh, have an advantage over some of the legacy providers, you know, that are still trapped in those long-term, you know, implementation type efforts. And does that modularity that you were talking about before, Robin, does that also play into a market like this, where if a client is somewhat or a prospect is somewhat unsure of the future and wants to start small, um, it enables them a way to leg in? Absolutely. Um, you know, one of the, you know, one of the, you know, you talk to any financial institution and, you know, somewhere in their top five issue or you know, top five, you know, initiatives will be something related to small business banking. 
right? Sure, we're uh, hearing that too. Yeah, you're, you know, small business banking is a huge uh, go-to-market for most financial institutions because it's a, a sticky relationship. Uh, it's a relationship that in, enables them to may start on the credit side, uh, but then they are also able to drag other relationships with that, you know, through deposit relationships, treasury relationships, you know, other types of activities, right, that make that relationship very sticky. And, and so uh, small business is a great example where we see institutions that are saying, you know, I don't really like what my existing core system does for small business banking. I'll stand up a small business bank, you know, to specialize in small business banking and, and the speed with which you can do that with some of today's technologies and the cloud, um, uh, you know, really makes that a viable prospect, you know, versus, you know, um, what you could experience if you were trying to do the same thing with a legacy product. Uh, a few guests have been on this program and have talked about a rising trend of, um, Traditional banks going digital using sidecar brands, um, maybe yep. launching this. This are, are you seeing that as well? Uh, we saw a lot of it probably five years ago. Uh, you know, I think that that you know we saw a, a heavy uh, you know influx of that type of activity four or five years ago. Whether that was to go after a specific type of market, millennials, underbanked, unbanked. Um, you know, you saw a lot of that kind of activity. What's happened in many cases is those things got started and then they got absorbed into the mothership, okay, mm -hmm. or they got acquired by somebody else and then absorbed into the mothership. So you look at people like Simple, you know, which was one of the early, you know, um, initiatives in the fintech space, got absorbed by BBVA Compass and then got absorbed by PNC and eventually just disappeared. Right. So yeah. um, it, it was a, you know, I think it, it's we still hear some of it, but not what we did five years ago. And we have time for one last question. I'm curious, you know, it's it's, it's post Thanksgiving weekend. Um, we're looking at the end of 2022 here. What what are your biggest priorities looking out into next year? And as as you're beginning to think and plan for uh, your plan of attack. So for for Mambo and you know specifically my responsibilities around North America, it's really uh, continuing to do what we do well. You know, which is working with you know uh, fintechs that are. Um, leading edge, right? So we have, you know, if you looked at our customer base in North America now, uh, we've got about 15 customers. Um, we'll close the year at close to 18 customers. Um, all things going well in the last four weeks of the year. Um, and and so that's really pretty much in the fintech space where I think um, we're, we're focused going forward is uh, when we look at uh, financial institutions, you know, traditional financial institutions, it's how do we expand that fintech presence into more traditional financial institutions. So looking at uh, financial institutions in the United States and uh, North America that are greater than $5 billion in assets uh, is, a, is about 350 institutions that make up that market space. Um, they are in many cases stuck on those legacy systems. Um, and so um, attacking that segment of the market uh, is really priority one uh, in 2023 and really getting some inroads at those you know, regulated financial institutions that you know, are looking to make a change. Um, and um, we think that that's, you know, there'll, there'll be a, a cadre of them that um, you know, like our, our composable you know, story um, and, and like the ecosystem story that we tell. And um, that's that's you know job number one going into 2023 is how do we you know uh, you know double our customer base by um, you know attacking that market. Robin, I really enjoyed chatting with you. Thanks for joining us on the Tearsheet Podcast. 
Thanks, Zach. Really appreciate it. Hope you have a great holiday season.